Welcome, 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 world changers. Shalom and shalom. Tonight we're going to get into some more uh, reading from the writings of King Solomon. We're going to be talking about it. You can ask me questions. We're going to be fellowshipping. It is going to be an awesome night, another awesome night. Who knows what's in store for tonight? Remember a couple nights ago we had three un, what would you call it, uh, impromptu guests. It was wonderful. I, I, I really enjoy myself. And uh, so, yes, uh, what I'm going to be doing here is I'm going to be reading from Proverbs. I'm going to be reading from the Wisdom of Solomon. I'm going to be reading from the Odes of Solomon. After I'm done reading, I will give you guys a chance to come on with me live if you wish. Now, this time I'm not going to uh, go ahead and post post the link unless you make it known first to me in the chat. Now, what I'm going to be doing is uh, is exactly what I did in the past few nights, and that is compare the Mesoretic with the Septuagint family of manuscripts. So um, I'm going to read chapters 16 through 21 and compare those two families of manuscripts. And it's quite different as we've seen in the past couple of nights. It's quite different. As always, blessings multiplied to you. I pray God really bless you tonight with revelation, with revelation. Uh, and knowledge and and all that good stuff and you know as we as we study the scriptures together that's what happens isn't it I mean you know God uh, God gives us these things and it doesn't have it doesn't really have to be that you know it, it is supernatural but God gives us the ability to read and the ability to understand and that knowledge right God is a God of knowledge let's not forsake that you know some some a lot of Christians they forsake knowledge in favor of what they call faith. I don't think that that is a very good idea. I think that we should have good knowledge, uh, really good knowledge. I think we should be very, very well educated. And that's what, what we're doing. That's what we're doing. All right, guys, let's do it. This is Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1, Masoretic. And the preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And that entire verse is not found in one of the most ancient fam families of manuscripts, that is the Septuagint. It's not found there at all. Verse 2, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Okay, so this is similar to what, you know, what said earlier that uh, a man is, is always right in his own eyes, basically. A man is always right. And, um, but God knows the truth, right? Uh, everyone, regardless of how good or evil they are, they are in their own eyes, they are right. So we got uh, Proverbs 16, verse 2 in the Septuagint. All the works of the humble man are manifest to God, but the godly shall perish in an evil day. That's, that's completely different, isn't it? Completely different than what we have there in Proverbs 16 in the Masoretic. Wow. Verse 3, Masoretic. Commit your, commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. And that's missing. That's not there in the more ancient uh, Septuagint. Now, there's a footnote by the word commit. Commit your works to the Lord or roll. Roll your works to the Lord. Roll it on God. 
Let him take the burden and your thoughts will be established. So that's a minute in the Septuagint. Verse 4, the Lord has made all for himself. Yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. In the footnotes, evil. And that as well is not found in the more ancient family of manuscripts, the Septuagint. A lot of differences here, don't we have? Verse 5, Mesoretic. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. Forces hand to hand. Though they are hand in hand, basically, they will not go unpunished. None will go unpunished. Septuagint. Everyone that is proud in heart is unclean before God. A little bit different than than abomination. And he that is unjust, he that unjustly strikes hands with with hand shall not be held guiltless. Hmm. Again, that's I can see the the similarity, but it is a very different point of view, very different uh, interpretation. Verse six, Masoretic. In the in mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And the fear of the Lord, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. That's not found in the more ancient Septuagint. Verse 7, Masoretic. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Septuagint. In the beginning, or the beginning of a good way is to do justly and is some and is more acceptable with God than to offer sacrifices. Isn't that interesting? Completely different. That is completely different. So, and this is this kind of rings true with a lot of the other parts of the Tanakh, and that is that sacrifices does God is not interested in sacrifices. Like right from the very beginning, man made the man made the mistake of thinking that sacrifices was a payment for sin or to cover sin. And God's like, ever since then, he's like trying to correct them, trying to show them, no, that's not how it works. It is, the beginning of a good way is to do justly. It is more acceptable with God than to offer sacrifices. It's like, I I desire, uh, or to obey is better than sacrifice, uh, 1 Samuel 15. Verse 8, Masoretic. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Septuagint, he that seeks the Lord shall find knowledge with righteousness. That's a lot different. That's, that's completely different. And, th- and they that rightly seek him shall find peace. Again, completely different. Although it still is as awesome as, as can be, it's still completely different from the Masoretic. Verse 9, Masoretic, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. Septuagint, all the works of the Lord are done with righteousness, and the ungodly man is kept for the evil day. Very similar to verse 4. Very similar to verse 4 in the Masoretic. All right, so that's very interesting. It looks to be a little bit mixed up here in some ways. 
Verse 10, Mesoretic. Divination is on the lips of the king. His mouth must not transgress in judgment. Septuagint, there is an oracle on the lips of a king, and his mouth shall not err in judgment. Very similar. 11. Masoretic. Honest weights and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. Uh, Septuagint. The poise of the balance is righteousness with the Lord, and his works are righteous measures. Again, very different, isn't it? Verse 12. Masoretic. It is an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, for a throne is established by righteousness. Septuagint, an evildoer is an abomination to a king, for the throne of rule is established by righteousness. So an evildoer is an abomination to a king is quite a bit different than it is an abomination for kings to commit wickedness. It's like the tables are turned. The last part is pretty much the same. Verse 13, Masoretic. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they that love him who speaks, and they love him who speaks what is right. Septuagint, righteous lips are acceptable to a king, and he loves right words. As you can see, it's he loves over here, and over there it's they love. Excuse me. Verse 14, Masoretic. As messengers of death is the king's wrath, but a wise man will appease it. Septuagint, the anger of a king is a messenger of death, but a wise man will pacify him. Verse 15, in the light of the king's face is life, and his, and his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. Septuagint, the son of a king is in the light of life. Well, that's a lot different than in the light of the king's face is life. The son of a king is in the light of life. Last part of that in the Septuagint. And they that are in favor with him are as a cloud of latter rain. Hmm. Slightly, it was slightly similar. Verse 16, Masoretic. How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get under, understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Septuagint, the brood of wisdom is more to be chosen than gold and the brood of prudence more to be chosen than silver. Masoretic, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Look at the size of verse 17 in the, in the Septuagint. The paths of life turn aside from evil. Okay, so that's pretty much the same. Well, I mean, the meaning is very similar to the first part of verse 17 in the Masoretic. And the ways of, of righteousness are length of life. Similar, slightly similar to what we have in the, in the last part of the Masoretic. But then it goes into all this, all this extra scripture here. 
He that receives instruction shall be in prosperity, and he that regards reproofs shall be made wise. He that keeps his ways preserves his own soul, and he that loves his life will spare his mouth. Spare his mouth. Very weird way to put it. He that keeps his ways preserves his own soul. So that's pretty much the same as, as that over there on the Masoretic. But look at how much we have added, how much difference we have. Proverbs 16, verse 18, mighty, mighty law here, uh, concept. Pride goes before destruction in a haughty spirit before a fall. In the footnotes before stumbling. Septuagint, pride goes before destruction and folly before a fall. Masoretic, better to be of a humble spirit with the lonely, the humble, than to divide the spoil with the proud. Septuagint, better is a meek spirited man with, the, with loneliness See in the Masoretic, it sounds like you. It sounds like you are like with other people, with other humble people. Whereas in in the Septuagint, it's not put that way at all. It's like it's better as a meek spirited man with lowliness, like basically lowliness within himself, as opposed to without himself. In this particular translation, or I should say, family of manuscripts, Septuagint, last part of verse nineteen. Then one who divides spoils with the proud. Okay, pretty much the same. Masoretic, he who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Septuagint, he who is skillful in business finds good, but he that trusts in God is most blessed. Masoretic, the, the wise in heart will be called prudent. And sweetness of the lips increases learning. Septuagint. Wise, or excuse me, men call the wise and understanding evil, but they that are pleasing in speech shall hear more. Huh. Quite a bit different. Um, the wise in heart will be called prudent as opposed to men call the wise and understanding evil. That's quite a bit different, I dare say. And sweetness of the lips increases learning versus Septuagint, but they that are pleasing in speech shall hear more. I guess that you would say that's, that's similar. Verse 22, Masoretic. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. Septuagint, understanding is a fountain of life to its to its possessors, but the instructions or the instruction of fools is evil. Masoretic, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Septuagint, the heart of the wise will discern things, the things which proceed from his mouth. And on his lips, he will he will wear knowledge. Now, I do I I like this one better. I think it's a lot clearer in the Septuagint on that verse. 
Verse 24 in the Masoretic family manuscripts, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Septuagint, good words are honeycombs, and the sweetness thereof is a healing of the soul. Verse 25 in the Masoretic, there is a way that seems right to man, but it but its end is the way of death. Verse 25 in the Septuagint, there, there are ways that seem right to a man, but the end of them looks to the depth of hell. Masoretic, the person who labors, labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. Septuagint, a man who labors, labors for himself and drives from him his own ruin. Different, but similar in a way. Um, verse 27, an ungodly man digs, digs up evil and, and, it, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. Now in the footnotes, a man of Belial. Oh, that's a that's a harsher way of putting it. A man of Belial, as you know, Belial is the name of one of the names of the devil. So instead of saying an, an ungodly man digs up evil, it's a, basically a man of Belial or this or a son of the devil uh, digs up evil, and and it is on his lips like a burning fire. Septuagint, but the perverse bears destruction upon his own mouth. A foolish man digs up evil for himself and treasures fire on his own lips. Masoretic, a perverse man sows strife, and a whisper separates the best of friends. Septuagint, a perverse man spreads mischief and will kindle a torch of deceit with mischiefs, and he separates friends. Masoretic, a violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Septuagint, a, tr a transgressor tries to ensnare friends and leads them in ways that are not good. Masoretic, he, he winks his eye to devise perverse things. He pursues his lips and brings about evil. Septuagint, and the man that fixes his eyes devises perverse things. That's different than winks, fixes his eyes, and marks out with his lips all evil. He is a furnace of wickedness. So that's, that's an addition. We don't have that in the Masoretic. The lip, or excuse me, the silver-haired head is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. Verse 31, um, Septuagint, old age is a crown of honor. Quite a bit different than a, the silver-haired head is a crown of glory. Septuagint, but it is found in the ways of righteousness. So that, that part is pretty much the same. Verse 32, Masoretic, he who, who, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than, than he who takes a city. 
Septuagint, a man slow to anger is better than a strong man, and he that governs his temper better than he that takes a city. Masoretic, the lot is cast into the lap, but it, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Now that gives us a little bit of a hint of what it, what it was like to cast lots back in those days, right? It was cast into the lap. So not necessarily like thrown like dice or like pulling the shortest straw, although similar, I believe. But the lot is cast into the lap. Oh, in the Septuagint, we got something very different. All evils come upon the ungodly into their bosoms. <laughs> but all righteous things come out come of the Lord. Now, this could be talking about, I, let me just kind of uh, go back here. This could be talking about the lot of maybe not casting lots. It's, at first, it sounded like the lot is cast, like it's casting lots. But um, after reading the Septuagint, and thank God for the Septuagint, I think that this is probably meaning the lot of the wicked, basically. It's not about casting lots. It's, it's, it's the, uh, the reward of wickedness. Or the reward of righteousness, but of course, in in the Septuagint's, um, according to the Septuagint, it's basically talking about the reward of wickedness is uh, will come upon the ungodly in in uh, into their bosoms. Okay, um, let me see here. I got uh, we got. Vinny over there on YouTube says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Vinny. Hawks says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Hawks. Debra says, Shalom, Shalom, Debra. Psalm 119, Callie says, Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have over here um, TikTok God is pure, evil, isn't he? <laughs> You're just uh, blaspheming God. Chico, are you still there? I want to talk to you. Chico, did you just drop that and run or what? If you're still there, I want to talk to you. Welcome, by the way, everyone over there on YouTube. Welcome, Vinny, Hawks, Deborah, and Callie. Blessings multiplied to you guys. Okay, so... Chico, calling Chico, calling Chico. In the meantime, Proverbs 17, I, you know, I, I find this all the time, you know, especially on TikTok, more so on TikTok than on YouTube, but you get all these people just drop, dropping all these uh, comments that are just trolling, basically. But they normally they don't stick around. They just drop and run, like, you know, because, you know, they have no, they have no argument. They cannot argue. Callie says, self-control is power. Power. Amen to that. Yes, it is. You know, if you can if you can control yourself, I I look at that as being like more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You can have a mighty man in war that conquers cities, perhaps even conquers nations. But if you have self-control, that's even more powerful because sometimes 
that's harder to do. Blessings to you over there on TikTok. Sandeep, blessings to you. Welcome, welcome. I am reading through some scriptures tonight. I'm comparing the, the Masoretic text, the Masoretic Hebrew text, which is the common Hebrew text that is used to translate the so-called Old Testament in most English Bibles. I'm comparing that with the Septuagint in the book of Proverbs. The Septuagint is approximately a thousand years older than the Masoretic. Now, I know that there's people that would differ on that number, but it is older. It is older uh, than the Masoretic. And so I think that uh, it's very much worth studying and comparing. Mark over there on YouTube says, Shalom, Shalom, Mark. Welcome. So uh, for those of you who are on TikTok right now, if you want to see what I'm doing, um, actually, everybody says YouTube is better when I'm doing this kind of thing. That's because on YouTube, I can share my screen. I can pull up comments and put them on the screen uh, and all that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in following me a little bit more, because I'm going to be going into Proverbs chapter 17 in just a moment, uh, go on over to YouTube. Look me up over there. It's Christopher Enoch. You can find the link in my bio on TikTok. Uh, If that doesn't work, if you can't find it for some reason, just, um, oh, okay. Sandeep says, I left YouTube a long time ago. Too many ads. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Okay. Then like whatever, whatever you, whatever is, uh, whatever you like to do. Um, but on, on YouTube, I have, uh, uh, all these other features that I don't have on, on TikTok. Anyway, so Travis over there on YouTube says, I watch from my TV. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, let's do it. Proverbs chapter 17, Masoretic verse 1. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. In the Septuagint, it says, better is a morsel with pleasure in peace Hmm, notice it adds pleasure in there, pleasure in peace. Then a house full of good, of many good things and unjust sacrifices with strife. Notice, this is very interesting, guys. Very, very interesting. Because you see, we got the word feasting over here, which is pretty much, uh, in feasting in the Masoretic is sacrifices in the Septuagint. And by the way, let me just let me just check out the footnote here before I speak about this. It's sacrificial meals. See, this is what a lot of people don't understand is that most sacrifices in the Tanakh, okay, in the in the Hebrew scriptures, in the so-called Old Testament, most sacrifices, by far most, is just for food to feed the the hungry and the widows and the orphans and other people that, you know, the strangers and people that have no other means to support themselves. That's the majority of the purpose of sacrifices, not not like sin sacrifices. I mean, not sacrifices to cover sin. And so this is very interesting to me because I've been saying that for a long time. Some people, some people say, you know, when I'm talking about the Torah, some people say, you know, where, where are your sacrifices, right? 
you know, of course they're like, you know, where are your sacrifice? Like if you're a Torah observant, you're supposed to be sacrificing. I say they're in my fridge. They're in my fridge. They're in my fridge because, you know, I'm, if you're not, you know, if you, unless you're vegetarian or uh, vegan, then you, you might, you know, be eating some chicken or uh, beef or any other thing like that, meat. That is really what the sacrifices were like. That's what they use them for. They use them for like, like a community barbecue. That's what it was uh, for the most part. Um, verse two in the Masoretic. A wise servant will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among the brothers. Hmm, that's good. Septuagint, a wise servant shall have rule over foolish masters and shall divide portions among the brethren. Different, different, isn't it? Verse 3. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. Septuagint. As silver and gold are tried in a furnace, so are choice hearts with the Lord. Hmm. Different. Verse 4. Masoretic. An evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. Septuagint, a bad man hearkens to the tongue of transgressors, but a righteous man attends not to false lips. Again, we, it's different. It is in the first part of the verse in the Masoretic, false lips. In the Septuagint, tongue of transgressors. Compare that with a, the last part of that verse. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue versus, but a righteous man intends not to false lips. It's, it's like the glass is half empty and the glass is half full over here. You know, it's like the glass is half empty over here. The glass is half full over there. Verse five, Masoretic. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Now look at the size of this verse in the Septuagint. He that laughs at the poor provokes him that made him. And he that rejoices at the destruction of another shall not be held guiltless. But he, has, but he that has compassion shall find mercy. So we got that whole part there that's added that's not found in the Masoretic. Verse 6, children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. Septuagint, children's children are the crown of old men, and their fathers are the glory of children. And then look at this. We got this whole other verse added into here. And not really, I mean, not a verse, but whole other part of the verse it goes on to say in the Septuagint, again, this is not found in the Masoretic for those of you who cannot see what I'm 
presenting here on YouTube. It says, the faithful has the whole world full of wealth, but the faithless not even a farthing. Hmm. That's interesting. Masoretic, verse 7. Excellent speech is not becoming to a fool, much less lying lips to a prince. Septuagint. Faithful lips will not suit a fool, nor lying lips a just man. So we got Masoretic says a prince, and Septuagint says a just man. I suppose if you're a just man, if you're a Sadiq, you are a prince. Verse 8, Masoretic. A present is, uh, is a precious stone in the eyes of, the, of its possessor. Wherever he turns, he prospers. Septuagint. Instruction is to them that use it a graceful reward. Oh, excuse me. Instruction is to them that use it a gracious reward. Now, compare that with a precious, a present is a precious stone in the eyes of its possessor. Quite a bit different. The last part of that verse, and whithersoever it may turn, it shall prosper. Interesting. Verse 9, he who covers a, trans a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Septuagint, he that counsels injuries seeks love. Or excuse me, he that conceals injuries seeks love, but he that hates to hide them separates friends and kindred. And we got that extra addition there, and kindred. Verse 10, Masoretic, rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. You, you think about how many people suffer so much because of their foolishness or people who go to prison because of their foolishness, and they don't learn. They don't learn at all, do they? But a rebuke is more effective to, for a wise man. A wise man is humble enough to listen and learn. Septuagint, a threat breaks down the heart of a wise man, but a fool, though scourged, understands not. Now, I think this means when it says breaks down the heart of, the, of a wise man, I think it means basically, and I don't think it's talking in a negative tone. I think it's talking about like just kind of um, breaking down what's, what is in the heart of a wise man. Um, revealing what's in the in the in the heart of that wise man. Masoretic verse eleven: An evil man seeks only rebellion; therefore, a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Septuagint: Every bad man stirs up strife, but the Lord will send out against him an unmerciful messenger. Similar. Masoretic, verse 12, let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Wow. And you got to think of how many people in the world today, I mean, they would 
definitely run like crazy from a bear, you know, like a bear robbed of her cubs, but run right into the right into the the lap basically of a fool in the in in his folly and not even not even uh, care at all about that. Septuagint care may befall a man of understanding, but fools will medi- med- meditate evils. That's very different. Very different. Masoretic, verse 13. Whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. Septuagint, whoever rewards evil for good, evil shall not be removed from his house. Similar. Verse 14. Masoretic. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Septuagint, rightful rule gives power to words, but sedition and strife precede poverty. Totally different. Totally different there. I see we got people new jumping on here all the time. What we're doing is we're reading through a few chapters of the Proverbs Comparing the two main families of manuscripts, the Masoretic and the Septuagint. Most people believe that the Septuagint was the scriptures that were used in the time of Jesus by Jesus and his 12 disciples and the people in the book of Acts and Paul himself, plus the early church fathers. We have quite a bit of evidence of that. And so it's very interesting to read from. Now, I'm not reading directly from the Septuagint. Septuagint per se. It's a translation of the, of the, of the Septuagint. Trans, because the Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Hebrew, we are reading an English translation of the Greek translation of the Hebrew. And I'm reading on, uh, for those of you who are listening, if you're not on YouTube, I highly recommend you go over there because that way you can see what I'm reading. Moving on. Verse 15, Masoretic. He who justifies the wicked and condemns the just, both of them are, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. <laughs> I got something to say about this, but let, let me read, let me read the Septuagint first. He that pronounces the unjust just and the just unjust is unclean and abominable with God. Okay, so first of all, let me say this. The word abominable is like, that's the worst, I mean, that's the bottom of the bottom of the barrel, okay? Uh, it's a very strong word in the scriptures. It's it's a word that um, shows us like how much God abhors something. He who, ju- he, he who justifies the wicked or pronounces the unjust just, according to the Septuagint, or pronounces the unrighteous righteous. The reason why I say this is because we have people, and we were talking about this the other night, we have people who believe in the the so-called imputed righteousness of Christ. That is pronouncing the unjust just. That is an abomination to the Lord. There are people out there, they believe that they can, they can do just whatever they want. They can, they, can, they can break every law in the book. They can be the most evil of, of evil people that ever lived. 
and yet they believe in Jesus. They're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. You'd be shocked to find out that a lot, I'm thinking of one evil man, I don't really want to mention him right now, but one of, probably one of the top, if not the top most evil man, of the most evilest of men that have has ever lived, lived about mm, 70 years ago, about 70 years ago, I'll give you a hint. Um, you know, he, he proclaimed himself to be a Christian. Churches, churches pr promoted him. Most churches did. Promoted him. Promoted his government. I'm sure that these kind of people would say, oh, you know, um, you know, I'm sure if you were to ask him, you know, face to face, he would he would declare himself righteous. Perhaps, perhaps, I'm not sure. I'm just, a, this is, I know maybe I'm going a little bit too far here, but maybe I'm not either. Uh, that that particular man could might have even have believed that he was clothed with the righteousness of Christ. In fact, that man got a lot of inspiration from Martin Luther. Need I say any more? Need I say any more? The quasi-Marcionite Martin Luther. The doctrine of imputed righteousness is an abomination to God. And this is one good verse that proves that. He that pronounces the unjust just, and that's what that whole thing is all about, pronouncing the unjust just, is unclean and abominable with God. Verse 16 in the Masoretic. Why is there in the hand of a fool the purchase price of wisdom since he has no heart for it? Why is there in the hand of a fool the purchase price of wisdom, since he has no heart for it? Septuagint, why has the fool wealth? For a senseless man will not be able to purchase wisdom. That's quite a bit different, isn't it? Why has the fool wealth? For a senseless man will not be able to purchase wisdom. Versus... Why is there in the hand of a fool the purchase price of wisdom since he has no heart for it? Different, different. A little similar, but different. But then we got the this... Then we got this whole entire... Um, this whole entire part of the, of the verse that says... In the Septuagint, it's not even in the Masoretic at all. He that exalts his own house seeks ruin, and he that turns aside from instruction shall fall into mischief. Wow. How different, how different it is. Verse 17, Masoretic. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Septuagint. Have you a friend for every time? Have thou a friend for every time? And let brothers be useful in distress, for for on this account are they born. That's a unique way of putting it, isn't it? Uh, 
That's a unique way of putting it. Verse 18. Masoretic. A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his neighbor. Septuagint. A foolish man applauds and rejoices over himself. That's different. Is quite different. Um, and he also that becomes surety would make himself responsible for his own friends. Now, we do, now with all due do this justice, we do have three different footnotes here. A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge. So in the footnotes, a man devoid of heart strikes the hands of friends. Um, over in the Septuagint, it says a foolish man applauds. It's interesting how they how they take that phrase strikes the hands and they, and they interpret it as applauds. And and becomes surety for his friend or collateral for, for his friend. Verse 19, Masoretic. He who loves transgression loves strife and he who exalts his gate seeks destruction. Interesting. You know why? Because look at look at how small this is over here in the Septuagint. A lover of sin rejoices in strifes, period. But then this part in the Masoretic is found up. Where is it now? Up here. He who exalts his own house seeks ruin. Very much, well, pretty much the same thing as he who exalts his gate seeks destruction. Interesting. Got it kind of mixed up a little bit. Mesoretic. He who has a deceitful heart finds no good, and he who has a perverse tongue falls into evil. Versus, and the heart of, and the hard-hearted man comes not in for good. A man of cha changeful, changeful tongue will fall into mischiefs. So look at how we have... Over here, a deceitful heart. Now, again, in the footnotes, crooked. Uh, so a deceitful heart in the Masoretic is, is uh, we find it as hard-hearted in the Septuagint. And perverse tongue in the Masoretic is found as uh, called a changeful tongue in the Septuagint. Different, different. Verse 21, Masoretic, he who begets a scoffer does does so to his to his sorrow and the father of a fool has no joy septuagint and the heart of a fool is grief to its possessor notice heart of a fool is we don't find that phrase in the masoretic we just got scoffer or be, he who begets a scoffer versus and the heart of a fool Last part of the verses in the Septuagint, a father rejoices not over an uninstructed son, but a wise son gladdens his mother. Verses, and the father of a fool has no joy. <laughs> Doesn't say anything about, but a wise son gladdens his mother in the Masoretic, does it? Verse 22, Masoretic, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Septuagint, a glad heart promotes health, but the bones of a sorrowful man dry up. 
similar. Verse 23, Masoretic. A wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. Septuagint, the ways of a man who unjustly receives gifts in his bosom do not prosper. And an ungodly man perverts the ways of righteousness. Hmm. Again, quite a bit different. Slightly similar, but quite a bit different. Verse 24, Masoretic. Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Septuagint. The countenance of a wise man is sensible, but the eyes of a fool go to the ends of the earth. Verse 25. A foolish son is a grief to his father and a bitterness to her who bore him. Septuagint, a foolish, foolish son, is a cause of anger to his father. So we got grief versus anger. And grief to her that bore him. Again, grief. <laughs> Masoretic grief. Septuagint, anger. Masoretic bitterness. Septuagint, grief. Hmm. Verse 26. Also, to punish the righteous is not good, nor to strike princes for their uprightness. Septuagint, it is not right to punish a righteous man, nor is it holy to plot against righteous princes. Verse 27, Masoretic, he who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Compare that with the Septuagint, he that forbears to utter a hard word is discreet, and a patient man is wise. Masoretic, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Septuagint, wise wisdom shall be imputed to a fool who, acts, who asks after wisdom different, isn't it? And he who holds his peace shall seem to be sensible. Okay, before I get into this, let me just greet some of their newcomers here. We got Brina on TikTok says, Shalom, Shalom. Welcome. Good to see you. Um, we have Will Sr. on TikTok says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom. Good to see you as well. We are reading from the Proverbs, Proverbs 18, and we are comparing two of the main families of manuscripts out there today, the Masoretic and the Septuagint. The Masoretic dated a lot younger than the Septuagint. Septuagint is a lot older. Septuagint is, is um, commonly known to be the scriptures that the New Testament church and New Testament early church fathers used. And we find there are so many differences. So many differences. Like the other night, it was very interesting, right? That, that one, that one uh, verse that was in the Septuagint Proverbs, it was, wasn't in the Masoretic, but that was the verse that 1 Peter quoted word for word. And 
most Christians wouldn't know it because they don't read the Septuagint. They don't study the Septuagint. Okay, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. Masoretic says, A man who isolates himself seeks, at, seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Septuagint says, A man who wishes to separate from friends seeks excuses. Now that's different. A man who wishes to separate from friends seeks excuses versus a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Septuagint, but at all times he will be liable to reproach versus he rages against all wise judgment. Again, quite a bit different. Verse 2, a fool has no delight in understanding. Compare that with the Septuagint. When an ungodly man comes into a depth of evils, he despises them. When an ungodly man comes into the, to a depth of evils, he despises them. Notice the word them is in italics, which means it's not in the original. But basically it says when an ungodly man comes into the depth, a depth of evils he despises. Mesoretic says, but in expressing his own heart, versus Septuagint, but dishonor and reproach come upon him. Again, quite a bit different. Oh, excuse me, I'm reading. Uh, yeah, I, I got mixed up there. Sorry about that. Um, that was, okay, let's just go verse two again. A fool has no delight in understanding versus a senseless man feels no need for wisdom. So that makes more sense. But in expressing his own heart versus for he is rather led by folly. Verse 3 of the Mesoretic, when the, when, uh, when the wicked comes, contempt comes also. Versus, when an ungodly comes into the depths of evil, he despises them, or he despises. And with dishonor comes reproach. Versus, but dishonor and reproach come upon him. Mesoretic, verse 4. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a, is a flowing brook. Versus Septuagint, a word in the heart of a man is a deep water, and a river and a fountain of life spring forth. It's similar, but quite a bit different in, 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 at the same time. Verse 5, Masoretic. It is not good to show partiality to the wicked nor to overthrow the righteous in judgment. Septuagint, it is not good to accept the person of the ungodly, nor is it holy to pervert justice in judgment. Similar. Verse 6, Masoretic, a fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. 
I think we know all, we, all of us probably know people that fall into this category. You know, this. <laughs> I better not say too much here. Verse 6 in the Septuagint. The lips of a fool bring him into troubles, and his bold mouth calls for death. Ooh. That's a little bit hard, but it's good at the same time. Verse 7, Masoretic. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Pretty similar over here in the Septuagint. A fool's mouth is ruin to him, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Verse 8, Masoretic. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. Now we got lots of footnotes here. The words of a talebearer or a gossip or slanderer are tasty trifles. With uh, Jewish tradition, wounds. The world, that makes more sense to me. The words of a talebearer or a gossip or a slanderer are like wounds. And they go down uh, into the inmost body. So the Septuagint says, fear cast down the slothful. Now, once, no, wait, wait a second here. This is so different. This is so different. I can almost get lost in this. Fear cast down the slothful. And the souls of the effeminate shall hunger. Like, that's totally different. That's totally different. Verse 9, Masoretic. He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. Septuagint. A man who helps not himself by his labor is brother of him who that ruins himself. Similar. Verse 10, Masoretic. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Septuagint, the name of the Lord is, a, is of great strength and the righteous running to it are exalted. Now again, we got this uh, footnote over here in the Masoretic by safe, literally, or literally set on high. So, so in this instance, we have the uh, Septuagint that is more accurate by saying the righteous run to it and are exalted. We don't see that in the typical Masoretic manuscripts. Verse 11, the rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall is his own, his, his own esteem. Uh, Septuagint, the wealth of a rich man is a strong city, and its glory casts a broad shadow. That's a, that's a different way of putting it, isn't it? Its glory casts a broad shadow versus like a high wall in its in his own esteem. I guess you could say a high wall would cast a broad shadow. I suppose that's where they get that. There must be some deep uh, hidden roots of in the Hebrew that uh, convey that kind of an idea. Verse 20, or excuse me, verse 12 in the Masoretic. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. We see this all the way through the scriptures. You see, you see this so much. It's like it's so, so important to be humble. And, you know, the pride goes before destruction, as we just read there earlier. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before honor is humility. 
Septuagint, before ruin, a man's heart is exalted, and before honor, it is humble. It's pretty much the same, at least in meaning it is. Verse 13, he who answers a matter before he hears it. Oh, yeah, don't we have a lot of people to do that today? Don't we have a lot of people to do that today? We get that all, I get that all the time, especially on, you know, certain social media platforms. They don't hear, they don't hear me out. They, they don't hear, people don't hear me out, but they answer. They answer. They don't know what they're talking about because they don't know where I stand. They don't hear any, like all they hear is this one little tiny clip and then they judge on that instead of listening to the whole, you know, it's like judging on a, you know, a, a square inch of a big portrait as opposed to looking at the entire thing. Septuagint, whoso answers a word before he hears, it is folly and reproach to him. Verse 14, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? Septuagint, a wise servant calms a man's anger, but who can endure a faint-hearted man? Hmm. Let me just stop here for just a moment. Just a little bit of an interlude. Excuse me. Um, so again, we I know we have new people coming in all the time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the scriptures like usual. Excuse me. I'm going to I'm going to post a link on YouTube on the, in, the, in YouTube's description uh, to come on as a live guest if you want uh, for a moment. Um, we don't want to spend a whole lot of time tonight with live with, with live doing a live uh, you know interaction. But if you have questions or uh, any kind of thing like that, and you want to come on as a live guest or just hang out for a little while, um, you're very welcome to do that. But I'm going to read the scriptures that I have on the schedule first. I'll read that, and then we will do that. So uh, if that's something you want to do, hang in there. Let me know in the comments. Just say you know put at Christopher, you know, I'd like to come on or something like that. Callie says, Proverbs has so much wisdom. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, what's a really good idea. A really good idea. Um, if you guys like are interested in pr private devotions, like I know that some of you may be doing it. Some of you may not be doing like private devotions apart for apart from what we do here live. Um, one thing would be really good, and it's not its not a whole lot. I mean, it would only take maybe, what, five, ten minutes a day, five minutes a day maybe, is read one chapter of Proverbs every day. It's 31 Proverbs, so it's pretty much a month for, you know, pretty much covers a month. So you, you do that and you cycle it, right? You read, you read one chapter every day, and then once you get to the end, you read, you go back to chapter one, and you read it over and over and over again. It's just absolutely beautiful awesome because you know how many how many of us like you, every time i read proverbs i learn it's just in the things that i already know you know when you hear it again especially like in this kind of context it's like so fresh and it just goes deeper it goes deeper than you thought possible okay so proverbs chapter 15. 
The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Versus the Septuagint, the heart of it of the sensible man purchases discret, discretion, and the ears of the wise seek understanding. Similar. Verse 16, Masoretic, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Amen. Septuagint, a man's gift enlarges him and seats him among princes. Hmm. This word, this, this phraseology here, enlarges him versus makes room for him. Um, enlarging, you know, we read about it through this through the Tanakh, how freedom is talking is spoken of as like enlarging your heart or enlarging your tent. It's like giving you more freedom, more room. So I see how that can be tied together. Verse 17, Masoretic. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. So it's like being in the courtroom, right? You're, you're in a trial. You got, uh, you, got the, you got the testimony. And then when you get the cross-examination, then it's like, oh, yeah, now I see. There's, there are a lot of holes there. Uh, Septuagint says a righteous man accuses himself at the beginning of his speech, but when he has entered upon the attack, the adversary is reproved. Now that is quite a bit different. Let me read that again. Septuagint. This is Proverbs 18, 17. A righteous man accuses himself at the beginning of his speech. Versus the first one to plead his cause seems right. That's like totally different, isn't it? Septuagint again, the last half. But when he has entered upon the attack, the adversary is reproved. Versus until his neighbor comes and examines him. It's, it's like it's, it's almost opposite. It, it, again, it's almost like the glass is half full over here and the glass is ha half empty over there. Verse 18, Masoretic. Casting lots causes contentions to cease. You know, sometimes they do this when you got two people arguing. It's like, okay, let's, you know, flip a coin or something like that, or, you know, do something like that. Throw dice, whatever. Casting lots causes contentions to cease. It's like, okay, do you agree that if, you know, to flip a coin or something like that, and do you agree that... Uh, You'll, uh, you'll go with the result. Casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. Versus in the Septuagint, a silent man quells strifes and determines between great powers. Quite a bit different. Quite a bit different. It's almost like we got like a whole, it's like, we, it's almost like we got 50% more in the Septuagint, if you know what I mean. And likewise, you know, um, vice, vice versa for, you know, in, uh, in, a, in a way, we got like 50%, we got more added, we got more 
to mull over in the Masoretic. If you only know the Septuagint, you should know the Masoretic too. And if you only know the Masoretic, you should know the Septuagint too. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Verse 19, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are, are like the bars of a castle. Septuagint, a brother helped by a brother is as a strong and high city and, and is a strong, as strong as a well-founded palace. Yeah, so the first part of that, a brother helped by a brother is as strong as a high city versus a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Very different. Verse 20, Masoretic, a man's stomach shall be satisfied with or from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Septuagint, a man fills his belly with the fruits of his mouth, and he shall be satisfied with the fruits of his lips. Pretty much the same, at least in meaning. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And boy, don't you know that is true, isn't it? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue has very much power. The Septuagint, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that rule it shall eat the fruits thereof. They that rule it versus they, those who love it. Verse 22, Masoretic, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Septuagint, he that has found a good wife has found favors and has received gladness from God. And then we have this whole other thing just added into here that's not in the Septuagint. He that puts away a good wife puts away a good thing and he that keeps an adulteress is foolish and ungodly. Wow. Verse 23, Masoretic. The poor man uses entreaties, but the rich answers roughly. And that is not found at all in the Septuagint. Verse 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and that is not found in the Septuagint. Proverbs chapter 19. Look at the difference. You can see the differences already here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 1. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. And that's not found in the Septuagint at all. Verse 2. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he who and he and he sins who hastens with his feet. And that's not found in the Septuagint at all. Verse three. The foolish the foolishness of a man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. Septuagint. The folly of a man spoils his way, 
and he blames God in his heart. Quite similar. Verse 4, Masoretic. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from, from his friend. Septuagint, wealth acquires many friend, friends, but the poor is deserted even of the friend he has. Verse 5, Masoretic. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Septuagint, a false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that accuses unjustly, or excuse me, accuses unjustly shall not escape. Very similar. Verse 6, many entreat the favor of the nobility, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. Met, uh, Septuagint, many court the favor of kings, but every bad man becomes a reproach to another man. Huh. Every bad man becomes a reproach to another man compared to every man is a friend to one who gives. <laughs> a lot there, eh? It's a lot, it's a lot of difference. A lot of difference there. Verse 7, Mesoretic, all the brothers of the poor hate him. And how much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him. Seems like we have a whole lot more words over here in the Septuagint. The Septuagint says, Everyone who hates his poor brother shall also be far from, from friendship. That's quite a bit different than all the brothers of the poor hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? Moving on here with the Septuagint. Good understanding will draw near to them that know it, and a sensible man will find it. Where, do we, where is that in the, in the Masoretic? I don't see anything like that. Uh, he may pursue them with words, and yet they abandon him? No. I mean, this is all stuff that's not in, this, in the Masoretic at all. Good understanding will draw near to them that know it, and a sensible man will find it. He that does much harm perfects himself or perfects mischief, and he that use, used provoking words shall not escape. So the last the last part here is similar to the last part of the verse in the Masoretic. The last part of the verse in the Masoretic is he may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him, versus he that used provoking words shall not escape. Uh, it's, still, it's still very, very different. Still very different. See the difference here. It's just amazing. Verse 8 in the Masoretic. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. Septuagint. He that procures wisdom loves himself, and he that keeps wisdom shall find good. Similar. Verse 9, Masoretic. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall not perish. 
same. A this is a Septuagint. False witness shall not be unpunished, and whoever shall kindle mischief shall perish by it. Verse 10 in the Masoretic. Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. Septuagint, delight does not suit a fool, nor is it seemly if a servant should begin to rule with haughtiness. Verse 11, Masoretic, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Septuagint, a merciful man is long-suffering, and his triumph overtakes transgressors. Huh. Merciful man is long-suffering is, is similar to the first part in the Masoretic. However, the last part, and his triumph overtakes transgressors, is so different with the Masoretic, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. His glory is to overlook a transgression versus and his triumph overtakes transgressors. Yeah, quite a bit different. Verse 12. The king's wrath is like the, the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. Septuagint, the threatening of a king is like a roaring, is like the roaring of a lion, but as dew on the grass, so is his favor. Very similar. Verse 13, Masoretic, a fool, foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. In the footnotes, dripping, irritation. Verse 13, in the Septuagint, a foolish son is a disgrace to his father, Vows paid out to the hire of a harlot are not pure. Huh. Okay, so the first part of that verse, okay, Mesoretic again is, a foolish son is the ruin of his father, versus a foolish son is a disgrace to his father. The last part of that verse, Mesoretic, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping or continual irritation, versus vows paid out of the hire of a harlot are not pure. Ooh, that's not, that's so different, not even similar at all. Um, except for the fact that we're talking about a female, that's about the only thing that we see that's similar here. Um, verse 14, Masoretic, houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Septuagint, fathers divide house and substance to their children, but a wife is suited to a man by the Lord. Verse 15, Masoretic. Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Septuagint, fathers divide house and substance to their children, but a wife is suited to a man by the Lord. Oh, excuse me, I just... Verse 15, Septuagint, cowardice. Right there, the first word is, is so different. We've got laziness in the Masoretic and cowardness in the Septuagint. 
So lazy, in the Masoretic, laziness casts one into a deep sleep versus cowardice possesses the effeminate man. That's just completely different. Masoretic says in the last part of the verse, and an idle person will suffer hunger versus, and the soul of a sluggard shall hunger. So that's similar. Verse 16, Masoretic, he who keeps the commandment keeps his soul. Amen to that. But he who is careless of his ways will die. Septuagint, he that keeps the commandment keeps his own soul. Amen again. But he that despises his ways shall perish. Hmm. Over here is he who is careless of his ways will die versus he who despises his ways will perish. But we have a footnote here. He was or literally despises. So again, we have more of a literal translation in the Septuagint yet once again. Verse 17, Masoretic. Um, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. Septuagint, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will recompense him according to his gift. Pretty much the same meaning. Verse 18, Masoretic, chasten your son while there is still hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. In the footnotes, literally to put him to death. A Jewish tradition on his crying. So chasten your son while he while there is still hope, and do not set your heart on, on his destruction. Septuagint, chasten your son, for so he shall be hopeful. And be not exalted in your soul to haughtiness. That is quite a bit different than do not set your heart on his on his destruction or on his own death. Quite a bit different. Verse 19, Masoretic, a man of great wrath will suffer punishment. For if you rescue him, you, you, you will have to do it again. Septuagint, a malicious man shall be severely punished. And if he commit injury, he shall also lose his life. Again, quite different. especially the last part of that verse, quite different between the two families of manuscripts. Verse 20, Masoretic, listen to the counsel or listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Septuagint, hear, son, the instruction of your father that you may be wise at your latter end. So you don't have anything about the son or the father in the Masoretic text. Verse 21, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Septuagint, there will be many thoughts in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord abides forever. Verse 22, what is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. Septuagint, merciful is a fruit to a man, and a poor man is better than a rich liar. Again, look how different that is. 
Again, Septuagint is merciful is a fruit to a man versus what is desired in a man is kindness. Now that we do have a footnote here, loving kindness. And a poor man is better than a liar versus and a poor man is better than a rich liar. You know, I, I tend to think, I, I you know, I, I really don't. This sounds more poetic and sounds more like it has more of a flow to it. A poor man juxtaposed to a rich liar um, than just simply a poor man is better than a liar. Verse 23, Masoretic, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Here's another thing, right? Because a lot of people, in life again, this is talking about, you know, the just shall live by faith. You know, you should... Those who do these commands will live by them. He's talking about salvation. Um, so the fear of the Lord leads to life. So there's another thing that it talks about, right, um, in regards to obtaining that eternal life. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in, in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Septuagint, the fear of the Lord is a is life to a man, and he shall lodge without fear in places where knowledge is not seen. That's so vastly different. Again, let's look at this piece by piece. Masoretic says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Septuagint, the fear of the Lord is life to a man. Okay, so that's pretty much the same. Second part of that verse and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Verses, and he shall lodge without fear in places where knowledge is not seen. Very different. Verse 24, Masoretic. A, a, a lazy man buries his hand in the bowl, or um, in the Septuagint, or it mentions the Septuagint here, that the uh, Vulgate, the armpit or the bosom. A lazy man buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Septuagint, he that unjustly hides his hands in his bosom will not even bring them up to his mouth. Now again, we have, we've seen this several times so far throughout the book of Proverbs, where the Masoretic says lazy and the Septuagint says unjust or wicked or something to that effect. Verse 25, Masoretic, strike a, strike, excuse me, strike a scoffer and the simple will become wary. Let me just stop there and compare it with the Masoretic. I mean the Septuagint. Septuagint says, when a pestilent character is scourged, the simple man is made wiser. Hmm. Last part of that verse, Masoretic, rebuke one who has understanding and he will discern knowledge. Versus, the Septuagint says, if you rep reprove a wise man, he will understand discretion. So, Similar. Very rare do you see, do you actually see like, you know, word for word the same. Very rare. That's why like those, for those of you who are really, you know, 
um, serious Bible students, you need to get yourself a good copy of the Septuagint. Uh, I, I have the Brenton here. Um, you can go with the Brenton. An another good copy would be the NET or NETS um, translation of the Septuagint. That would be an English translation of the Greek Septuagint. Very interesting. Because a lot of things, a lot of times when you read in the New Testament or in other ancient, uh, you know, extra biblical manuscripts where you say it quotes like Jeremiah or quotes Isaiah, and you look it up yourself, if you really look it up like how we're doing it here side by side, it's, it's completely different. But if you check the, the Septuagint, um, many times it's it's more in line with the Septuagint than the Masoretic. Verse 26, Masoretic. He who mistreats his father and chase, chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. Septuagint. He that dishonors his father and drives away his mother shall be disgraced and shall be exposed to reproach. Okay, so pretty much means it's pretty much the same thing there. Verse 27, Masoretic, cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Septuagint, a son who ceases to attend to the instruction of a father will cherish evil designs. Hmm. Different. Vaguely similar, but different. Verse 28, a, dis, a disreputable witness scorns justice, and the mouth of, of the wicked devours iniquity. Septuagint, he that becomes surety for a foolish child will despise the ordinance. And the mouth of ungodly men shall drink down judgment. And then, again, very different Slightly similar in different ways, but very different. Mesoretic judgments are prepared for scoffers and beatings for the backs of fools. Septuagint scourges are preparing for the intemperate and punishments likewise for fools. Tammy says, Shalom, a little late, but here with group. Well, welcome, welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome. Blessings multiply to you. Blessings, blessings. Good to see you. Yeah, so um, again, just just because we have so many people coming, I you know see there are people coming in and leaving and coming in and leaving. Uh, Friday, we have a special guest with us. We have New Testament scholar, um, Dr. Robert M. Price. Saturday at 2 p.m. We have actually not. I'll start at 2 p.m. But uh, at uh, around 2:30, uh, I'm going to start by welcoming everybody, and I'll uh, share what's on my heart and, and get into perhaps some scripture and stuff like that, or maybe respond to some comments or questions first. Uh, 2:30, we'll we'll have Yitzhak from TikTok channel or TikTok page by the name of Taste of Torah. He'll he'll be joining us. Lord willing. So um, looking forward to that. And again, we're working on other very important and very interesting guests. Uh, and Lord willing, we will have those on. I'll let you know when it is confirmed, when it's set in stone. Okay. Uh, very interesting, by the way. Very, very, very good um, guests that we have uh, lined up. Let's continue. Proverbs chapter twenty. 
Wine is a mocker. Masoretic. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Septuagint. Wine is an intemperate thing and strong drink full of violence. And every fool is entangled with them. <sighs> yeah, I, I like the Septuagint version of this. Um, Septuagint seems to be more, more uh, crispy, isn't it? I mean, it seems to be more crispy in the way. It seems to be more, uh, it's got more of a punch to it. It's got more of a kick to it, doesn't it? In some places, at least. Verse 2, Masoretic. The wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. Septuagint, the threat of, of a king differs not from the rage of a lion, and he that provokes him sins against his own soul. Similar. Verse 3, it is honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. Septuagint, it is a glory to a man to turn aside from railing, but every fool is entangled with such matters. Verse 4, Masoretic, the lazy man will not plow because of, the, of winter. Oh, it's too cold. He will, beg, he will beg during harvest and have nothing. Septuagint, a sluggard when reproached is not shamed. And so he who borrows corn in harvest. Very different. Very different, don't we? It's very, very different. A sluggard when reproached is not ashamed. So he, so also he who borrows corn in harvest versus the Masoretic. The, la the lazy man will not plow because of winter. And he will beg during harvest and have nothing. So it's, there is a vague similarity between the two, but not very much. Verse 5, um, Masoretic. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Septuagint. Counsel in a man's heart is deep water, but a prudent man will draw it out. Very similar. Verse 6, Masoretic. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness. Oh, I'm right. I'm right. I'm good. But who can find a faithful man? And in the footnotes for goodness, it says literally mercy. Literally mercy. And the Septuagint, in keeping with its more literal translation, uses the word mercy or merciful says a man is valuable and a man is valuable and a merciful man precious but it is hard to find a faithful man so again it's pretty quite different the first part of that verse a man is valuable and a merciful man precious versus most men will proclaim his own goodness or his own mercy Quite different. Verse 7, Masoretic. The righteous man walks in his integrity, 
His children are blessed after him. Septuagint, he that walks blameless in injustice shall leave his children blessed. Oh, excuse me, I said injustice. He who walks blameless in justice shall leave his children blessed. Verse 8, Masoretic. A king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. That's a powerful king. Septuagint, whenever a righteous king sits on the, on the throne, no evil thing can stand before his presence. Verse 9, Masoretic. Who can say, I have made my heart clean and I'm pure from my sin? Septuagint, who will boast that he has a pure heart? Or who will boldly say that he is pure from sins? Verse 10, Masoretic. Diverse weights and diverse measures. They are both alike an abomination to the Lord. So what does this mean? This is talking about like um, uh, being dishonest with your dealings. Because, um, you know, back in those days, they didn't have, you know, the scales that they had. They, they used weights, right? So different, different weights, different measures. Uh, so it's like like a, a quart to you. They might kind of cut out, they might cut out a cup out of that quart or, or a half a cup out of the quart. That's different measures, diverse measures and sell it to you for the same price of a, as a court, um, as if it's a court, you know. So that's what it's talking about here. They are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Uh, Septuagint, a large and small weight, and diverse or different measures are even both of them unclean before the Lord, and so is he that makes them. Hmm. Adds a little bit of extra detail in there, isn't it? Verse 11, Mesoretic, even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. Septuagint, a youth, when in company with a godly man, will be restrained in his devices, and then his way will be straight. So that's quite a bit different. We got a youth, when in company with a godly man, when he restrains his devices, will be restrained in his devices, and then his way, way, way will be straight. Versus every, even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. Quite a bit different. Verse 12, Masoretic. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. Septuagint, the, he, the ear hears and the eye sees, even both of them are the Lord's work. Verse 13 in the Masoretic, do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. Septuagint, love not to speak ill. Oh, that's quite a bit different than love not sleep. Love not to speak ill ill lest you be cut off open your eyes and be filled with bread yeah verse 14 masoretic it is a good it is good for nothing cries the buyer but when he's gone his way then he boasts like this is good for nothing bad deal bad deal bad deal 
that's a horrible thing. It's not worth that much. It's not worth that much. And then once he buys it, I got a great deal, guys. That's not in the Septuagint at all. Verse 15, the Masoretic. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. That is not in the Masoretic. Verse 16, take the garment of one who is uh, surety for a stranger and hold it as a pledge when it is for a seductress. That is not in the Masoretic, or not in the Septuagint. Didn't I say the Masoretic before? I mean the Septuagint. None of those verses from verse 14, verse 15, verse 16, verse 17, verse 18, verse 19. None of those verses are in the Septuagint. Verse 17. Masoretic. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with, with gravel. Verse 18. Plans are established by counsel. By wise counsel wage war. Verse 19. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Be careful when you got people who smile too much and they're overly nice. Verse 20. Now, this verse is in the Septuagint. I'm going to read the Masoretic first, says, Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. Septuagint, the lamp of him that reviles father or mother shall be put out and his eyeballs shall see darkness. Verse 21, Masoretic, an inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Septuagint, a portion hastily gotten at first shall not be blessed in the end. Masoretic, do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Septuagint, say not, I will avenge myself on my enemy, but wait on the Lord that he may help you. Masoretic, Different weights are an abomination to the Lord, and dishonest scales are not good. Septuagint, a double weight is an abomination to the Lord, and a deceitful balance is not good in his sight. Masoretic, a man's steps are of the Lord. How, can, how then can a man understand his own way? <laughs> that's a good question. If, you're, if your steps are ordered of the Lord, I mean, you, that's, that's, that's really... You know, the highest knowledge. Septuagint. A man's goings are directed of the Lord. How then can a mortal understand his ways? Yeah. Means pretty much the same thing. Masoretic. It is a snare for a man to devote rashly something at as holy, and afterward to reconsider his vows. Perhaps that's why they spent so many years canonizing certain books. Uh, Septuagint. It is a snare for a, is it is excuse me. It is a snare to a man that hastily hastily to consecrate some of his own property 
For in that case, repentance comes after vowing. Hmm. Different. Verse 26, Masoretic. A wise king sifts out the wicked and brings the threshing wheel over them. That sounds a little bit rough. Septuagint says a wise king utterly crushes the ungodly and will bring a wheel upon them. Tad bit rough, I'd say. Verse 20, 27, Masoretic. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Septuagint, the spirit of a man is a lamp of the Lord who searches the inmost parts of the belly. Verse 28, Masoretic, mercy and truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness he upholds his throne. Septuagint, mercy and truth are a guard to a king and will surround his throne with righteousness. Verse 29, Masoretic. The glory of young men is their strength, and the glory of old men is their gray head. Septuagint, wisdom is an ornament to young men. Now that's different, isn't it? Very different. The Septuagint, the Septuagint is so, so different here. Compare, okay, Masoretic says, Masoretic says, the glory of young men is their strength. Right? That's their that's their big thing. The young men are strong. Whereas the Septuagint says, wisdom is an ornament to young men in that same verse. In the last part of that verse in the Masoretic says, and the splendor of old men is their gray head. In the Septuagint, and gray hairs are the glory of old men. So it means the same. But the first part of that verse is so different. Verse 30, Masoretic, blows that hurt cleanse away evil. <laughs> Not just blows, but blows that hurt. I was beaten, but I didn't feel it. No, blows that hurt cleanse away evil, as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Or in the footnotes, rooms, the rooms of the belly, the inner depths of the heart. Septuagint. Bruises and contusions shall or befall bad men. So we got bruises and contusions versus blows that hurt. Befall bad men versus cleanse away evil. And plagues shall come in the inward parts of their belly. Again, see, the Septuagint is more literal on that. Okay, chapter 21. Chapter 21, the king's heart. Verse 1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Septuagint, a rush, as a rush of water, so is the king's heart in God's hand. He turns it whithersoever he may desire to point it, to point out. Means the same thing. Verse 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Like how many times we read these kind of things all the time, but isn't it true? Every way of a, of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Septuagint, every man seems to himself righteous, but the Lord directs the hearts. Verse 3, Masoretic, 
so do righteous so do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the lord than sacrifice again again we have this how many times it's so you know if if this if if you know a lot of christians would say right including and we were talking to a brother there a couple nights ago and he was like that no 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 it's the it's how they got righteous in the old testament what they did is they all they did was bring the uh, just bring a sacrifice to the lord that's all they did is just bring a sacrifice to the lord no that's not true because many times god rejected their sacrifices and many times he says i desire mercy not sacrifice i did i uh, to obey is better than sacrifice he's god god rebuked a lot of people for their sacrifices because of their sin to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the lord than sacrifice septuagint to do justly again this word just in many parts of the scripture, this word just is translated from the same Hebrew word that means righteous. To do righteously, to do justly, and to speak truth are more pleasing to God than the blood of sacrifices. Somebody say amen to that. As we see it all the way through the scriptures. We see it all the way through the scriptures. And even as we're reading our daily, uh, nightly, daily, whatever, wherever, wherever you are in the world, here it's night. Um, scripture readings, we run across this so often, so often. It, the blood is not as most Christians believe it to be. To do justly and speak truth are more pleasing to God than the blood of sacrifices. Okay, verse 4, Masoretic. A haughty look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked are sin. The plowing of the wicked or the lamp of the wicked, the wicked are sin. So haughty look, proud heart, sin. Uh, Septuagint, a high-minded man is stout-hearted in his pride and the lamp of the wicked is sin. Verse 5, Masoretic, the plans of the diligent lead surely, surely to plenty. But those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. That's not found in the Septuagint at all. Uh, not found in the Septuagint at all. Verse 6, getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. Septuagint, he that gathers treasures with a lying tongue pursues vanity on to the snares of death. Very similar. Verse 7, Masoretic, the violence of the wicked will destroy them because they refuse to do justice. Septuagint, destruction shall lodge with the ungodly for they refuse to do justly. Verse 8, Masoretic, the way of a guilty man is perverse, but as for the pure, his work is right. Septuagint, to the froward, 
God sends forward ways. For his works are pure and right. What do you mean different there? Verse 9, Masoretic. Better to dwell in, the, in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Septuagint, it is better to dwell in a corner on a, on a housetop than in plastered rooms with unrighteousness and in an open house. Isn't that interesting? There's no mention of a woman there at all in the Septuagint. No direct mention of, un, of contentious, anybody contentious either. Although you could probably say that it's implied by saying unrighteousness. Or at least unrighteousness would include contentious people. Verse 10, the soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. Septuagint, the soul of the ungodly shall not be pitied by any man. Doesn't say anything about desiring evil in the Septuagint. Verse 11, Septuagint, when the scoffer is punished, the simple is made wise. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. Septuagint, when an intemperate man, you see we got intemperate man versus scoffer. When an intemperate man is punished, the, the, the simple becomes wiser. And a wise man, understanding, will receive knowledge. That part is similar to the Masoretic. Verse 12, Masoretic, The righteous God wisely considers the house of the wicked, overthrowing the wicked for their wickedness. Septuagint, A righteous man understands the hearts of the ungodly and despises the ungodly for their wickedness. Verse 13, Masoretic. Whoever shuts his ear to the cries of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. Septuagint, he that stops his ear from, the, from hearing the poor himself also shall cry, and there shall be none to hear him. Verse 14, Masoretic. A gift in secret, a gift in secret pacifies anger. And a bribe brings uh, a bribe behind the back strong wrath. Septuagint, a, a secret gift calms anger, but he that forbears to give stirs up strong wrath. Hmm, isn't that different? Isn't that different? Verse 15, Masoretic, it is a joy for the just to do justice, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. Septuagint, it is a joy of the righteous to do judgment, but a holy man is abominable with evildoers. Huh. As you see, that last part is very different uh, in the Septuagint. The Masoretic says, but destruction will come to the, un to the workers of iniquity. Verses, but a holy man is abominable with evildoers. Verse 16, Masoretic. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. 
Septuagint, a man that wanders out of the way of righteousness shall rest in the congregation of giants. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit different there. A man who, okay, so Mesoretic says, a man who wanders from the way of understanding. In the Septuagint, it's pretty much the same. A man who wanders out of the way of righteousness. Well, understanding versus righteousness. But the last part, will rest in the assembly of the dead, the Masoretic says, versus the Septuagint, shall rest in the congregation of giants. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that how they could how that can come about but interesting very interesting verse 17 Masoretic he who loves pleasure will be a poor man he who loves wine and oil will not be rich Septuagint a poor man loves mirth loving wine and oil in abundance a little bit similar Verse 18, Masoretic. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful for the upright. Septuagint. And, and a transgressor is the abomination of a righteous man. Period. Notice the difference there. The Masoretic says, the wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful for the upright. The Septuagint in that very same verse says, and the transgressor is an abomination to a righteous man, is the abomination of a righteous man. Verse 19, better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Septuagint, it is better to dwell in a wilderness than with a quarrelsome and talkative and passionate woman. Well, they added a few things there. They added a few things there in the Septuagint. Uh, Masoretic, verse 20, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Uh, Septuagint, a desirable treasure will rest on the mouth of the wise, but foolish men will swallow it up. Verse 21, he who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. Septuagint, the way of, the, of righteousness and mercy will find life and glory. Different. Verse 22, Masoretic, a wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. Septuagint, a wise man assaults strong cities and demolishes the fortress in which the ungodly trusted. Verse 23, Masoretic, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Septuagint, he that keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Masoretic. A proud and haughty man, Scoffer is his name, he acts with arrogant pride. 
Septuagint, a bold and self-willed and insolent man, is called a pest. And he that remembers injuries is a transgressor. Wow, that's quite a bit different. It's good. I mean, it's, it's different, but it's good. Verse 25, Masoretic, the desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. In the Septuagint, desire kills the sluggard, for his hands do not choose to do anything. Verse 26, Masoretic, he, he covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. The Septuagint, an ungodly man, entertains evil desires all the day. But the righteous is unsparingly merciful and compassionate. Similar, different but similar. Verse 27, Masoretic. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with wicked intent? Verse 27, uh, Septuagint, the sacrifices of the ungodly are an abomination to the Lord, for they offer them wickedly. See, now, here it is, again, we have it again. We should have, you know, one of these times we'll go through the whole, we'll go through the whole entirety of Scripture again and take a tally on each one of these different topics because it's, it's so often. Because you think about it. I encourage every Christian to think about this because it destroys the selling point that's like, well, you know, in the Old Testament, they pay, you know, it's the blood that covered their sins. And, you know, that a wicked man would come before the Lord and, and, th and that wicked man would just offer a sacrifice and that sacrifice would cover the sin and make atonement for a soul. Wrong. Wrong. At least not in every case. And in many cases, we see that that's, that was absolutely, not only did God reject it, it was an abomination to him. God accepted. So let me just say this. I mean, just simple logic here. The sacrifices of the ungodly are an abomination to the Lord. The sacrifices of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord over here. Um, so that obviously implies that the sacrifices of the righteous are acceptable to the Lord. So it's not the sacrifice that makes you righteous. It's, the, it's, the, it's your righteousness that makes God accept your sacrifice. It's sin that causes God to reject your sacrifice, and that destroys the narrative of, well, you know, that sacrifice paid the debt of sin. No, it didn't. It had no... Um, what do you call it? Commonetary value at all. There was no, there was no monetary value, or was it was not a commodity to pay someone's sin. It was not. We see this over and over and over again, all the way through the scriptures. The sacrifices of the ungodly are an abomination to the Lord. And you think about that. If you think about that good enough, you'll see how that destroys much of the narrative today. Verse 28, the Masoretic says, A false witness shall perish, but 
the man who hears him will speak endlessly. Septuagint, a false witness shall perish, but an obedient man will speak cautiously. <laughs> Different. Verse 29, Masoretic says, a wicked man hardens, hardens his face, but as, as for the upright, he establishes his way. Uh, Septuagint, an ungodly man, impudent, impudently withstands with his face, but the upright man with uh, himself understands his ways. Similar. Verse 30, there is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. Septuagint, there is no wisdom, there is no scourge, there is no counsel against the ungodly. Verse 31, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. Septuagint, a horse is prepared for the day of battle, but help is of the Lord. All right, so um, let's just read from the Wisdom of Solomon. The Wisdom of Solomon. All right, let me just pull it up here, right here. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7. Like every human being, I am mortal. I am a descendant of that first man who was made from the soil. I was conceived from the sperm of a man in the pleasure of intercourse. For nine months my flesh took shape in the blood of, of my mother's womb. When I was born... I came into the world like any, anyone else. I began to breathe the same air we all breathe. And I like, and like everyone else, the first sound I made was a cry. I was wrapped in cloths and cared for. No king ever began life differently. For all of us, there is one way into life and there is one way out. Realizing that I was only human, I prayed and, I, and was given understanding. The spirit of wisdom came to me. I regarded her more highly than any throne or crown. Wealth was, not, was nothing compared to her. Precious jewels could not equal her worth. Beside wisdom, all the gold of the world is a handful of sand, and silver is nothing more than, than clay. I, val I valued her more than health and good looks. Hers is a, is a brightness that never grows dim, and I preferred it to any other light. When wisdom came to me, all good things came with her. She brought me untold riches. I was happy with them all because wisdom had brought them to me. I had not realized before that she was, she was the source of all these things. I was sincere in learning from her, and now I am glad to share what I learned. No one can ever exhaust the treasures of wisdom. Use those treasures and you are God's friends. 
He approves of what you learn from her. I pray to God that my thoughts may be worthy of what I have learned, and that I may speak according to his will. He is wisdom's guide. He gives correction to those who are wise. We are under his power and authority. We ourselves, our words, all our understanding and skills. It is he who gives me true knowledge of the forces of nature. What would the world what the world is made of, how the elements behave, how the calendar is determined by the movements of the sun, the changing seasons, the constellations and the cycles of years, he has taught me about the nature of living creatures, the behavior of wild animals, the force of the winds, the reasoning of powers, the reasoning powers of human beings, the different kinds of plants, and the use of their roots as medicine. I learned things that were well known and things that were never that had never been known before because wisdom who gave shape to everything that exists was my teacher. The wisdom, the spirit of wisdom is intelligent and holy. It is of one nature, but reveals itself in many ways. It is made of, of any material substance and it moves about freely. It's clear, clean and confident. It cannot be harmed. It loves what is good. It is sharp and unconquerable, kind, and a friend of humanity. It is dependable and sure, and has no worries. It has power over everything and sees everything and penetrates every spirit that is intelligent and pure, no matter how delicate its substance may be. Wisdom moves more easily than motion itself. She is so, so, uh, so pure that she penetrates everything. She is, a, she is a breath of God's power, a pure and radiant stream of glory from the Almighty. Nothing that is defiled can ever steal, ever steal its way into wisdom. She is a reflection of eternal light, a perfect mirror of God's activity and goodness. Even though wisdom acts alone, she can do anything. She makes everything new, although she herself never changes. From generation to generation, she enters the souls of holy people and makes them God's friends and prophets. There is nothing that God loves more than people who are at, who are, who are at home with wisdom. Wisdom is more beautiful than the, than the sun and all the constellations. She is better than light itself, because night always follows day, but evil never overcomes wisdom. Wisdom chapter 8. Her great power reaches into every part of the world and she get and she sets everything in useful order. Wisdom has been my love. I courted her while I was young and wanted to make her my bride. I fell in love with her beauty. She glorifies her noble origin 
by living with God, the Lord of all, who loves her. She is familiar with God's mysteries and helps determine his course of action. Is it good to have riches in this life? Nothing can make you richer than wisdom, who makes everything function. Is knowledge a useful thing to have? Nothing is better than wisdom, who has given shape to everything that exists. Do you love justice? All the virtues are, are the result of wisdom's work, justice and courage, self-control and understanding. Life can offer us nothing more valuable than these. Do you want to have wide experience? Wisdom knows the lessons of history and can in, an, anticipate the future. She knows how to interpret what people say and how to solve problems. She knows the miracles that God will perform and how the movements of history will develop. So I decided to take wisdom home to live with me because I knew that she would give me good, good advice and encourage me in times of trouble and grief. I thought to myself, because of her, I will be honored wherever people come together. The old men will respect me, even though I am young. They will find that my opinions show deep insight, and those in power will admire me. When I am silent, they will wait for me to speak, and when I speak, they will pay attention. Even when I speak at length, they will listen with concentration. Because of wisdom, I will gain immortality. I will live forever in the memory of those who come after me. I will hold power over nations and peoples. Dreaded tyrants will, will be seized with fear at the mention of my name. I will be famous as a good king and as a brave soldier. When I, came, when I come home to wisdom, it will find contentment because there is no conflict or pain in living with her. Only happiness and joy. And so I thought it over. To be wedded to wisdom is to live forever. To love her is to be perfectly happy. To do her work is to be rich beyond measure. To share her company is to have sound judgment. To converse with her is to be honored. Then I was determined to take wisdom as my bride. I had a pleasant personality, even as a child. I had been fortunate enough to receive a good soul, or rather I was given a sound body to live in because I, already, I was already good. Still, I realized that I would never receive wisdom unless God gave her to me. And knowing that only God could give her to me was itself a sign of understanding. So I prayed begging the Lord with all my heart. And we'll read what he prayed and what he begged tomorrow, but let's read the Odes of Solomon first, the Odes of Solomon, chapters 13 to 16, or Ode 13 to 16, Odes 13 to 16. Ode 13. Behold, the Lord is our mirror 
Open your eyes and see them in him. And learn the manner of your face and declare praises to his spirit. And wipe the paint from your face and love his holiness and put it on. Then you will be unblemished at all times with him. Hallelujah. As the eyes of a son upon his father, so are my eyes, O Lord, at all times towards you. Because my breasts and my pleasure are with you. Turn not aside your mercies from me, O Lord, and take not your kindness from me. Stretch out to me, my Lord, at all times your right hand, and be to me a guide till the end according to your will. Let me be pleasing before you because of your glory, and because of your name let me be saved from the evil one. And let your gentleness, O Lord, abide with me and the fruits of your love. Teach me the odes of your truth, that I may produce fruits in you. And open to me the harp of your Holy Spirit. The harp of your Holy Spirit. Very interesting phraseology there. So that with every note I may praise you, O Lord. That's very good. The guitar of your Holy Spirit, right? The percussion of your Holy Spirit. And according to the multitude of your mercy, so grant unto me and hasten to grant our petitions. For you are sufficient for all our needs. Hallelujah. Ode 15. As the sun is the joy of them who seek its daybreak, so is my joy in the Lord. Because he is my son, and his rays have lifted me up, and his light has dismissed all darkness from my face, eyes I have obtained in him, and have seen his holy day. Ears I have acquired and have heard his truth, and the thought of knowledge I have acquired and have enjoyed delight fully through him. I repudiated the way of error, and went towards him and received salvation from him abundantly. And according to his generosity, he gave to me. And according to his excellent beauty, he gave me, he, he made me. I put on immortality through his name and took off corruption by his grace. Death has been destroyed before my face. And Sheol, or the grave, has been vanquished by my word. The eternal life has arisen in the Lord's land and it has been declared to his faithful ones and has been give, given without limit to all that trust in him. Hallelujah. And We will continue those readings from each one of those books, Lord willing, tomorrow. And so tomorrow will be the last day of the week that we will be doing these readings. You know, you guys know that I've been really... Um, buckling down on these readings the past few days. And, uh, you know, so I, uh, on the, on the weekend we have, uh, again, we got our, our special guests, um, New Testament scholar, Dr. Robert Price on Friday evening, and also, uh, Yitzhak from, um, Taste of Torah on Saturday afternoon. So, uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Let's see what you guys got in the comments. Now, um, 
Will Sr. says, after listening to many of these proverbs, I feel quite defeated. Thank Yah for his mercy. It's very powerful, isn't it? It's just so powerful. Absolutely. Okay, so just before we go, um, just want to once more again just open the possibility of if someone wants to come on here video through video, uh, just put it in the live chat right now at Christopher, and um, and I will uh, it will come before my intention. So someone on TikTok there says, thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for listening. Thank you for your fellowship. Thank you for your comment. Alex says, thanks, Christopher. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just, again, sorry, guys. You got so many, there's so much going on in the chat, and this is awesome. It's, it's, it's great. Um, but, uh, I'm, I can, I'm only just searching for the, uh, the chats that have at Christopher in it. So if you don't have at Christopher in it, I'm not seeing it. Okay. I don't see anybody at this point in time. Said I enjoyed listening to you speak and we'll listen and we'll listen again. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. If you're not following, make sure you follow. Make sure you I actually if you enjoy me on TikTok, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if you ever go on over to YouTube or not, but I do I'm actually I have I have a good uh, well there's a there's a fellowship that we have over here on YouTube. I got I got actually multiple streams going at the same time. I got TikTok here, I got YouTube over there all at the same time. The thing is on YouTube, you can actually see what I'm reading because I share my screen and all that kind of stuff. And I got extra um, uh, features over there. So if, you know, if you're interested, uh, I highly recommend you go over to YouTube, look me up over there and, uh, and make sure you got me on your list there. Subscribe. It's Christopher Enoch. Just go over to YouTube type, you know, just search for Christopher Enoch. My, my channel should be the first one that comes up. Uh, I do have a link to my YouTube channel in the TikTok bio as well. I only, I only do this because everybody says it's better over, over on YouTube. I think it's just because of the software I have over there. Um, Caballero says, Thank you for today's Bible reading. Thank you very much, Caballero. I appreciate you. Will Sr. says, thank you so much, brother. Really do appreciate your efforts in all this reading. And again, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Travis, the terms giants used in chapter 12, 16, could that be a reference to the Nephilim? It could be. It could be. I, I you know, and I, I'd have to look into it deeper. I'm not sure how even to, because you see the Septuagint was a translation from the original, like the ancient, ancient Hebrew. And so I don't even know if we can, uh, apart from, yeah, I, 
if we can get, I'm just thinking, there's another, I have to look into it deeper, but that's a very good question for sure. I mean, it seems to be, seems to be. Great Deception says, thank you, brother. Much love to you all and blessings for everyone and multiplied back to you, brother. Thank you. Tammy says, thank you, thank you, thank you, Tammy. And thank you uh, to the group as well, to the group as well. One John, how can these two scriptures be so different? Very good question. Um, yeah, so we've got like approximately a thousand years difference between the two. And so you see how much happened over a thousand years. Um, yeah, I mean, even the Samaritan, uh, we don't have um, Proverbs in, in the Samaritan, but the Samaritan Torah is... is quite different than the uh, Masoretic as well. Uh, scribes, um, corruptions, uh, different interpretations, all, all kinds of things, all kinds of re uh, reasons that, that uh, perhaps, I, I believe, I believe for the most part, um, it was like the changes that happened in the manuscripts were, were like innocent, in it like like not willing not intentional uh probably mistakes made by your scribes but uh i think there was probably uh, i can't say probably yes there was um some parts at least that was changed intentionally uh but yes there's so many differences isn't there and we see how much we miss by Comparing these two manuscripts, it, it, we see how much we miss by not reading the Septuagint. See, a lot of people, you know, uh, don't know about the Septuagint. Uh, so, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, Vinny says, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Vinny. I appreciate you. Will Sr., so what do you do with them if they seem not to jive with one another? Which one to believe in? Um, the way I look at it is in, in most of those ones, I, I, I can see how it's so different, but I can see how it could be so different because how maybe like one Hebrew word can be translated or viewed in different ways, you know. Um, but in regards to, like, when you got something that, like, is obviously, like, completely different, a, a contradiction, uh, how I how I look at it, especially the, the book of Proverbs, like, as I read it, like, the, the ones that were, like, super different, like, completely different, as I read it, like, I believe that both of them are right. I mean, the what they say is right. <laughs> it's not it's not both identical. They're both completely different, but what it what it what the Septuagint says in this particular verse as opposed to the Masoretic, it's like to me it's like wow, they're both awesome. It's like we we need to have both of those. Uh so in that in that case, I just take them both. Um but you see how you see how the the scribes must have been very, very liberal in their way of 
transmitting some of these manuscripts and you know and, and copying them and, and some of these scribes must have took took a lot of uh took a lot of you know liberty at uh changing and manipulating the the words to make to to say what they thought it should say so yeah um i in all of the differences tonight that we saw, we saw lots of differences. In all of them, I don't see really any. Perhaps the, the Giants one, um, I have to look into that, but I don't see really any that is really alarming to me. I know the whole idea, especially when it comes to people saying, well, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10 should match, you know, should match up at least, you know, in meaning, you know, between the two manuscripts. And yeah, it should. But um, even if it says two different, completely different things, is hardly anything that I've noticed. Not that there's nothing. Don't get me wrong, but very little that I've that I've read um, tonight that I would say, "Oh, it's wrong." Uh, I would just take it all. I would take it all. It's yeah. Um, that's how I look at it, Will Senior. Very good question. Thank you. Vinny says, thank you, Christopher. God bless everyone. Shalom. Thank you. And blessings multiplied back to you. Thank you very much. Question for Move says, there's a show that I like, but notice satanic signs. Would I be sinning if I watched the show? I am very skeptical of, of people who always like to try to find signs. I think I shared this before. I used to have a website like 20 years ago. I had a website and it was, it was, it was, I actually got it from a template. It was a professional template. And, um, and I used that for my website and the craziness, like people would come on there and say, Oh, I see an up the, I, I see an upside down cross. You must be satanic. It's like, where do you see this? Where, where, where are you seeing these things? It's like, you're just like seeing things that are not there. Um, so you got people that are like, I mean, it's like people who look into the clouds. They can see, you can, you can take one cloud and you can, you can, a lot of people can make different images out of a cloud. I, 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 I kind of shy away from that kind of thing. Like it depends. It all depends on whether or not they are really like really obviously satanic. You know, like you really got like there's obviously satanic stuff in it and it's obviously like it's it's really evil um, in that case. It, it Yeah, you shouldn't watch it. Uh, you don't want to open your soul to evil things like that. But if it's like hidden things or things that's not like I would say, like, what's the spirit of the show? Like, is is the show like. Um, like, does it promote righteousness or like does it is it is it something that's that there's nothing in it that you can find in it that would be against god or his laws his instructions if that's the case i wouldn't really worry about it it depends it all depends it's, it kind of it, it's hard to um uh to answer that question without knowing all the details and specifics but uh i would just say don't worry too much about finding it depends if it's you know blatantly, you know, you got the goat with the horns and you got the pentagram and all that kind of thing, blatantly like that. then yeah, uh, I would say, you know, that's, that's something you want to stay away from or at least not waste your time with. Let me just put it that way. 
other than that, I wouldn't be, I just wouldn't be overly, I wouldn't be paranoid about it. That's, that's all I would say about that. Thank you for your question. One John says, is there a Bible that is directly translated from Hebrew to English? Well, yeah, it, uh, the Masoretic is uh, directly translated from Hebrew to English. We And most of the English Bibles that are, uh, like the Jewish Bibles, are all translated from the Hebrew uh, to English. Yeah, sec uh, question for move mentions about like sexual immorality going on. Yeah, that stuff. I wouldn't, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Um, I, I would say, you know, spend that time reading the scriptures. Spend that time reading the scriptures. Okay, guys, that's it. I'm going to get going. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Same time, same place. Again, I'm looking forward a lot to Friday and to Saturday. And hopefully, again, there's someone I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I get other guests that are coming on. It's going to be awesome. All right, guys. Thank you again for your questions and your comments. You guys are awesome. I will talk to you again tomorrow evening or morning, wherever you are in the, in the world. And as always, you guys are awesome. You guys are world changers. Blessings, blessings multiplied to you guys. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow night.